You're listening to the EFC Podcast. Neil Cudney is the Director of Organizational and Spiritual Life and Administration with Christian Horizons, an organization that creates communities of belonging where all can play a role. My name is Karen Stiller. I enjoyed my interview with Neil so much by how he understands hospitality and how this strange time of isolation we are all living through can help us understand better what life can be like for people living with disabilities. You can find the print version of this article in the July-August issue of Faith Today, which is now free, by the way. You can sign up at faithtoday.ca. Welcome, Neil. Thank you. It's uh, a pleasure to be with you today. Let's start off by, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your work with Christian Horizons? I think it's unusual and people will benefit from hearing about it. Sure. I'm the Director of Organizational and Spiritual Life here at Christian Horizons, and a big part of my role uh, is working with church communities and uh, faith communities to understand what it means to truly create a space of welcome, hospitality, and belonging for people that may be experiencing physical and cognitive disabilities, and how they can become a part of the vibrant life of the church, Uh, but also working here within the organization organization to uphold our core values in everything that we do, which is valuing people, fostering belonging, respecting gifts, and serving others. And we want those to be more than just simply something that we put on a wall, but something that we exemplify. So the fact that you're, part of your job is working with churches uh, tells me that the church may have some work to do in this area. So can you speak to that, Neil? What kind of a need is there out there for the church to you know, think better, do better, be better on this topic of welcoming and being hospitable to people with disabilities? Creating spaces for people, often people with disabilities are living lives of isolation. Anything that this experience of COVID is teaching us and showing us, and I'm hearing this a lot from my friends who experience physical and cognitive disabilities, is that the world is now experiencing a life that they daily experience, the life of isolation. Uh, yeah. The life of being alone. And one of these strange experiences that we've all been having is when we go for a walk, somebody sees us coming toward them and we or they cross the street to avoid. Mm. And so this has really been part of the lived experience for people with disabilities and for the church to really begin to understand that and recognize that the, the, the role of the body of the church is to be a place of welcome, to be a place of belonging, to create that space of hospitality uh, for people with disabilities that welcomes them into that space. Not where they're just being received as as recipients, uh, but there is a reciprocity that is opened up in that relationship, that it's part of a giving and receiving, and that they have gifts that they are able to contribute, and they want to be a part of, of the community in meaningful ways. Neil, I think that is so powerful that you've compared it to our entire, you know, planet experience of living in isolation right now. I think that is so helpful. Like, and the, this idea of when you go for a walk and people literally avoiding each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know I have found that profoundly lonely. 
all the joy of walking, <laughs> you know, has been removed for me, actually, just not even sometimes people not even looking at you, but just stepping away, away from you. Tell me more about that, how that can help us understand sure. better what it's like to live with disability. Just think about your entire life being marked by that difference. And we're getting a little bit, just a little bit of that experience right now. And it's, 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 it's one of the things that we need to understand and engage in as a church. Uh, I think about, and, and for me, so much of this is rooted right back into uh, the, the, the story of creation itself. Uh, God recognizes when Adam is in the garden that it's not good for him to be alone. Uh, and creates for him a partner. And one of the things that that Adam says right at the beginning when he rec- when he sees uh, Eve and her difference, he makes this following statement. He says, bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. Even though he recognizes Eve as being distinct and different from him, uh, there is this recognition of, of, of similarity, of, of belonging. And that's what so many people and families that are experiencing and impacted by disability are looking for. They're okay. looking to be part of a community that looks at them and says, bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. You are us. You are part of us. Uh, and, 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 and it's, it's not that difference is bad and we're wanting to eliminate or, or, or ignore difference. Difference exists, but difference is not what primarily defines us. Our primary definition is that we are created in the image of God and there is a sameness that connects us as a body. And so I think sometimes it's fear and f- and this belief that people, uh, especially maybe with profound disabilities, if I can use that word, and you can correct me, please, with my terminology, but it's fear of the other, uh, fear of making mistakes, and probably being cranky and feeling, you know, put out or that maybe too much is required of people that stops us from seeing people with disabilities as being part of our body and and the the same as us even as they are different can you help us neil help us understand how we can be better at that yeah and i think it goes right to the core of the conversation of hospitality itself we have such a in our day now we have such a distorted understanding of what hospitality is uh it's become um commodified if you will, where I purchase hospitality and there's a level of service that I expect. But biblical hospitality is entirely different. It's a welcoming of the stranger. It's a bringing them into the midst and creating that space where people can be part of that. And so in that demonstrating of hospitality, and and, and true hospitality comes with a cost. One, One of the things that we struggle with is this whole difference between pity and compassion. Okay. Uh, often we are driven by pity, and so our pity drives us to do something. But it's more—it's more of a selfish response because what pity does, it alleviates my guilt, and the cost of my for me to feel better. So I'm walking down the street of Toronto and I encounter somebody that's sitting on a street corner with a cup in front of them. I feel compelled to do something. So I reach around in my pocket and pull out a, a toonie or a loony. And so that's, that, that's the cost of alleviating my pity is a toonie or a loony. I feel better because I've done something. Compassion is much different. Compassion, compassion is subversive. It's, it's dangerous in a sense because 
what compassion compels us to do is enter the journey of the person. And that's, that's, that's what we are, if we are to truly be the body, if we are truly to demonstrate hospitality, we must become people of compassion and justice as God defines justice to be. The relationship that we're engaging in with people is one that we are opening up space for them to truly become part of us. We're not expecting them to look like us or sound like us or to be transformed into us so that, that, so that you can come into our space, but that we are truly accepting them where they are and creating that space where they can flourish and become part of who we are. So it occurs to me, Neil, as you're speaking, that my own image of myself must come into play with this, that when I am honest about my own, you know, brokenness and my less than wholeness myself, it must be easier for me to shift from pity, uh, you need my help and here I am because I'm so great, Mm -hmm. to compassion that, you know, we're on this journey together and my brokenness may look different from yours, but we're here together. Is that right? Or am I wrong? (laughs) And you can say that I am. (laughs) No, you're heading in the right direction. Okay. Keep Uh, us moving. Yeah. One of the, one of the most, uh, for me, one of the most powerful encounters that we read throughout the gospels is when Jesus is walking along, he's going somewhere. He's, he's going to the synagogue. He's going to the next city. He's good. He's, he's, he has a destination. And often there's a little, there's a couple of little words that we gloss over very quickly, but they are so powerful. It says that as Jesus was going along, he saw the man. He saw the woman. He saw the child. He saw the person. And so often in in our work, we are so busy that we forget to see the person. And when when Jesus stops and sees the person, he restores to them their humanity. He restores to them their personhood. And and one of the things that that we need that's that's the beginning point of hospitality right and welcome and belonging is to actually see the person and enter into a relationship with them and how do we get how i'm thinking of the busyness i'm thinking of the obstacles that people feel about i'm i'm too busy this is too much work i don't know how to do this how do we get over that is it from having you know people come in and speak to us about this do we just uh work together as a community like how how do we get past all these obstacles that we put in place sure i think i mean each b- both of those things are important but also we have to get in touch with God's relationship with okay. us and the patience that God takes with us. And again, I think that's why it's so important for us to understand even, even the encounter of Jesus with people that were broken and vulnerable and, and weak and, and seen as outside. I mean, if anybody should have been busy, <laughs> right? Uh, it should have been Jesus. Right? That's a good point. Neil. <laughs> <laughs> and the problem is not our busyness. The problem is, is we have a very skewed understanding of what truly has become important. God sees the relationship. God sees the person. God sees the connection of the community as those things that are, that are truly important. And often we allow ourselves to get busy as a method of avoidance. Right. Because if I'm busy, I don't have time. 
Uh, and that's when that pity rather than compassion comes into play because I'm looking, what can I do in the immediate to alleviate this, this angst that I'm feeling within myself? But compassion often means, and Jesus in that encounter, how many times did Jesus have to change his direction in order to be with the person? Mm-hmm. And disability and people uh, who are vulnerable will bring disruption into our lives. And we need to be able to take those moments and allow those uh, holy disruptions yeah. uh, to occur. Because those are the points and those are the places where we truly begin to experience what it means to be the body of God. So we're talking about far more than, you know, making sure our sanctuary is wheelchair accessible and that, you know, we don't get upset if there's, you know, disruption in our services for some reason. We're talking about really a movement of our hearts toward welcoming. Yes, Yes, absolutely. I mean, and and those places, I mean, making our places accessible are critical, are Mm -hmm. important, because if we are not physically able to enter into those spaces, it's pretty hard to feel truly welcomed into that space. Yeah. Uh, and and it's it's how we do that. And and I rely so much on First Corinthians twelve in when he's talking about the body being uh, many parts, and, and and how it is that that we welcome and bring people into that into that space. One of the images that is really stuck in my mind is the idea of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit being in this internal relationship, this this facing toward one another eternally. And God brings us into the midst of that. He is ever toward us. He is ever facing toward us. And, And I believe that part of the image of God is that he is calling us to be that way with one another as well. How do we bring people into the center of our communities? Not just opening up the margins and that they remain at the edges, but how do we how do we bring them into the into the center of our communities? I think of, of Luke 14 and and the story of the banquet. And when you look into that story, he is calling the servant to go out and look under the hedges, look in the byways, and not just say, hey, there's a nice banquet. He says, beg them, implore them, do whatever you need to do in order to bring them into that center space with me. And and that is one of the things that as we as we consider what the body really is, is it our structure? Is it our pews? Is it our building? Is it the uh, programs that we have in place? Or is the call of the body something that's much deeper and much more significant? And Neil, I mean, that has also been profoundly uh, challenged and, you know, brought to our, our, our attention through this recent COVID situation as mm. well. Like, who, who are we? Why are we in our communities and within ourselves? One of the th- exciting things that we have been witnessing here at Christian Horizons is that uh, what one of the things that the COVID experience has done is it's forced churches to change quickly and adapt quickly. Where uh, I was talking to a pastor friend the other day that said, there are changes happening in my church that would have taken 10 years to actually bring to be. But because of this, we've had to change in the moment. And one of those important changes is, is the online community 
that is that is being created and the accessibility that that has created for people that are unable to attend church to still be part of the faith community. And people with disabilities have been able to join with those services in new ways. So one of the things that I'm hoping does not change is the commitment of churches to make sure that its members, its body, and those that aren't able to be physically present are able to be meaningfully connected uh, through uh, uh, continuing through online opportunities. Yeah, I love that. I think that is such a good insight. I, it really hadn't occurred to me yet that you're right, that the speed with which we had to pivot because of this, the emergency that we're in the middle of. Um, you're right. There's some good changes that have been made. And yeah. I was saying that to my husband, who's a minister, that, you know, it's hard to imagine not being online on Sunday mornings now moving forward. Like, how yeah. do you dial that back and why would you? So I think that's a, it's an excellent point. And it had not occurred to me about the accessibility issue for people who are homebound. Yeah. And we won't be returning to normal. I mean, I've heard I've heard that a couple of times. I've heard people say that. Well, when things get back to normal, uh, right. that's go- that's gone. <laughs> yeah, uh, we are unsure yet what the. But there are new opportunities that have opened up for people to connect and belong to the community in different and creative ways. Yeah. I'd love for us to touch a little bit on this this idea of uh, doing things for people versus Mm -hmm. doing things with people. And I actually think it's easier for a lot of us to do things for people. It's certainly quicker. (laughs) It is quicker. It's easier uh, in and out. So uh, tell me, tell us more about that, Neil, and how we need to tweak that. What happens is that when we do things for people, we actually unintentionally disempower the other person. We feel better about it because we've been able to contribute. And again, for me, it goes right back it goes right back to the creation story. God did not need Adam to participate with him in cultivating the garden, in being part of creation and naming the animals. He could have done all those things on his own. And yet God recognized the importance of, of Adam being part of of the relationship with God to be a contributor. When we do things for, what happens is, is that we remove the opportunity from the other person to minister to us, to contribute to us. There's a reciprocity that has to happen in hospitality. And I think that's one of the things, too, that we've lost in this modern idea of hospitality. It's something that I must always do for the other person where true hospitality opens up the space of reciprocity, where not only am I a giver, but I'm a receiver. And it it changes that relationship. So the first step of hospitality is welcoming the stranger into your community or into your home. Well, the intention is, is that that, that, that person does not remain a stranger, right? Right. Uh, is that there's a change in that relationship. And so that hope that the relationship of host uh, and 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 person being uh, uh, receiving the hospitality is is a fluid one, and it changes over time when the stranger then can also in time become part of the hosting. Uh, and can be part of the contributing. And that's what people with disabilities are looking for and families are looking for. They're not looking for programs. They are looking to be part of the regular things that are already happening in the community of the church. They're not looking for a separate group. They're looking to be part of the group that's already happening. 
They're not looking to be part of a separate worship team or, a, or have a separate place to sit or a separate Sunday school class. They're looking to be part of the ebb and the life and the flow of the church. I mean, Think for yourself for a minute, Karen. If you spent your whole life being uh, receiving services, uh, being a recipient of care, what would what does that do for you? Right. How does that how does that impact you? And in over time, it, you just increasingly it creates loneliness, it creates depression, it creates isolation, uh, it creates uh, disempowerment. Where hospitality, where Christian hospitality is all about, how is it that we empower the other? How do we, how do we create, how do we help them to discover their full image in God and their place within our community? Yeah, I, I love this. Uh, for me, this is a stretching of the definition of hospitality that is very challenging. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, our cult- in our cultural moment, hospitality is about me putting on a show <laughs> and you, you know, yeah. benefiting from it at my dining room table. And uh, so, this is such a helpful way to think of hospitality as being an act of mutuality and yeah. But your dining room table is an important place. Yes. There is something powerful about home. I mean, you just think of the word home. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know about you, but when I think of home, it takes me back to my childhood. It takes me back to being with my parents. Uh, it's with my with my siblings. There is something powerful that when I come to the bottom of the laneway of my parents' farm, I, I'm fortunate my parents are still living. Uh, and when I come to the bottom of that long laneway that goes to the farmhouse, there's there's a change that happens within me because I'm home. And one of the key points of of hospitality is creating that place of home for people that do not have one. We think about God himself creating that place of home for us. Yeah. That is not just a future state. And we, and we say, I mean, we talk about the future state of the kingdom of God and that's so important, but, that needs to be realized now in the lives of people. How can we begin to create those places of home mm-hmm. uh, in people's lives? And your home is an important place as well. There's something about eating together. There's yes. something that, that creates a commonality. There's something that breaks down, begins to break down barriers. How do we welcome people into our spaces? To do so in a way that that is safe for you and the stranger but there is a certain amount of risk that that comes with with hospitality as well that we need to be willing to in, embrace yeah it won't be easy um neil if as we sort of I, we've been talking about this sort of in the in the church level and i'd love for us to end by bringing it down to the individual level of of you know if you were encouraging me to engage uh, in a different way, in a new way, in a hospitable way with someone with disabilities who may be in my life or in my church, what can I do as one person, you know, right now to start that journey? Yeah. And it begins, I think, I want to go back to the earlier comment of it begins with seeing the person. It begins with the willingness to slow down and be in the moment and be in the space of that person. It's the willingness to learn their language. They may have a different language than us. They may not use verbal words uh, in the way, but they do have language and they desire to communicate. 
And I think about, I mean, what did Jesus have to do in order to translate the infinite knowledge of God in such a way that we would be able to begin to comprehend it and receive it? We have that same call to befriend people, learn their language, and then live in a way that translates the gospel into a method and a language that the other can understand. One of the ways that I've described that is, um, I've described it as, as the tactile gospel. And you really see that in First John, in, the, in, those op- in that opening verse, that in the beginning, that which we've seen with our eyes, which we've beheld, we've heard with our ears, uh, concerning the word of life. Jesus not only verbally declared the gospel, he, he tactilely was declaring the gospel of well, as well. He saw, he touched, he was heard, but he also saw, touched, and was heard. That willingness to enter into a relationship where we begin to truly listen, truly begin to know who the other person is, what's important to them. And I then, in, in that move of hospitality, begin to ch- change that person from being stranger to being friend. We all need friends. One of the things that has been so important for us as Christian Horizons, it's really kind of transformed the way that we think about things. We talk a lot about belonging. Our culture talks as well a lot about inclusion. And a friend of mine, John Swinton, uh, who's a professor at Aberdeen University in Scotland, describes it this way. He says, inclusion says that if you arrive, we'll make room for you. Belonging says that if you are not there, we will go looking for you. Wow. What kind of community do you want to be belong to? Mm-hmm. You want to belong to a community where you are known, uh, where you are noticed, and where you are missed. That's beautiful. Thank you, Neil, so much for this uh, challenge and invitation. Well, thank you, Karen. It was my pleasure. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To listen to more and to subscribe to Faith Today, Canada's Christian magazine, please visit www.theefc.ca forward slash faith today.